Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. I think once your nerves calm and you understand the capability of you being able to govern these tools um, on the back end, I think that'll relieve a lot of the anxiety around it. And that's what really enabled more self-creation and and more self-help for our end users and, and allowing them to be trusted partners. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Dux Raymond Sai, Modern Workplace Professional, Microsoft MVP, and Regional Director. We're here today with Jeff Goddard, Enterprise Content Management Architect, Project Management Professional, Certified Business Analyst Professional at the Minnesota Metropolitan Council. Hey, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Uh, happy to join. Thanks for having me. I think you're missing some more acronyms. You're supposed to have like uh, Microsoft certification acronyms, right? Oh, I, yeah. Well, service adoption specialist, sure. <laughs> there you go. So how did you find yourself working in this Microsoft world? Um, well, I started working with SharePoint 2007 in about 2009 as a relationship associate at Wells Fargo Institutional Retirement and Trust. Um, my manager asked me to get to know what this SharePoint thing is and figure it out. Um, train other relationship managers and associates across the country um, on the software and try to enable more productivity and collaboration that way. Um, in addition to that, I was tasked with training them on LinkedIn as well. Real quick, was your background in IT? No. Prior to no, that? It, it was not. It was a another job duty situation. Um, but I just happened to have a knack for it and was good at it. Um, from there, I went to Wells Fargo Insurance where I managed um, University of California SharePoint sites for getting insurance for students. And then from there, I really liked SharePoint. I wanted to focus more um, outside of the marketing role I was in um, and get more IT related. I became a SharePoint developer. Uh, my role was really more business analysis though. And then more recently, enterprise content manager management took over business ownership of Office 365 in about 2015. And then I moved over and became a business systems analyst at that point, and which leads me to where I'm at today. So let me kind of go back when you talked about when you first got involved in SharePoint. You know, coming from a non-IT background, uh, what what sparked your interest? I mean, even if your manager asked you to help, obviously you had to learn it. What uh, what was so interesting about it that you thought, wow, this is really cool. I can definitely learn more of this and, and help others with it. Prior to my role, as a relationship associate, I worked in Wells Fargo Wealth Management in uh, Personal Trust. There, I just saw a tremendous need for this type of collaboration software, and we didn't have SharePoint there. And it was emailing files constantly back and forth, and it just a lot of inefficiency. So I was already piqued by an interest in wanting to be more collaborative um, on my own. And then given the opportunity, I, I took it. Um, Without an IT background, I mean, I, I think all of us, well, most of us have a have an innate ability to kind of understand what I'm supposed to do as an end user. And really, that's the approach I took is understand what my business needs and then teach people that 
and help promote them to use it more. And I think more and more people are finding that's one of the key uh, requirement to be successful in a lot of these technology deployments, right? Like back in the days, we keep talking about, oh, you know, adoption, SharePoint, Office 365 adoption. And I'm guilty of this. We've always taken this very IT-centric approach, right? Oh, here's a SharePoint site. Here's a list. Here's a library. Oh, here's Teams. How we create a channel. Whereas, I mean, it's cool. You know, I learn all the functions and features, but then I walk away. I'm in accounting or I'm in HR. I'm in project manager. I don't really know what that means to me in my day-to-day life, right? Right, right. And that's why I think people on the business side and business owners have a responsibility to bring that business analysis forward to help people understand it better. And because they understand their business better than I think IT does. So fast forward to today. So you mentioned you work with a local government and help support the local government um, with technology. So what what has it been like during this uh, COVID-19 crisis? It's been it's been challenging since my team supports, you know, the primary resource for online collaboration meetings, um, Microsoft Teams, and then having the whole organization move to working remotely. Uh, has been, uh, I wouldn't say it's a jarring experience. It's been planned for. Um, the resources are there, we, but um, it's it's been challenging. It's been challenging to train people. Um, it's been challenging to to meet with all the people who want to meet with me. Um, so it's been hectic. But overall, um, teams in the GCC has been holding up really well. That no, that's great to hear. So frankly, you're one of the few government uh, agencies that I've spoken to that gone all out in Office 365 GCC. I mean, a lot of government agencies have Office 365. Certainly they use Exchange for email, OneDrive for file sharing, and maybe SharePoint. But you're one of the few that's using Teams. So when did you all originally roll out Teams? What was what was the driver for rolling out Teams in, uh, in your agency? Well, we rolled out Teams with our SharePoint upgrade from 2010 to online last summer. We had already rolled out groups, but we didn't have Teams at that point. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So we rolled out groups, not understanding Teams was going to come along and be the primary focal point of an Office three sixty five group. So that's how we originally approached it: is we wanted to allow our organization to collaborate more effectively and manage their own permissions. That's something that they'd asked for. So the groups were were a natural component to collaborate because of the SharePoint site and the other pieces that come along with it. So we rolled it out with our SharePoint upgrade a couple of days after we upgraded. And and with that rollout, um, and certainly for your organization, I think your organization is still unique uh, compared to other states or cities that I know. Would you care to share and provide some perspective? What does the Minnesota Metropolitan Council do? What's the mission? Because I don't think there's a lot of similar entities like yours. No, I think there's only one other one in the country. So the Metropolitan Council is regional government. So we make up or our, our purview is the seven-county metro area of the Twin Cities. Uh, so we work across the counties, across the cities, to help plan for future growth in the Twin Cities and make that a seamless experience um, when you're crossing borders or counties. So we are, are we have five different divisions. Um, one of them, well, the first one is environmental services. They handle wastewater treatment, um, water quality testing, air quality testing, and then we have community development, which handles comprehensive planning for the cities and counties. So that those plans get submitted to us. We review them, um, provide feedback, and then um, that those go into things like transportation policy planning, which leads us to Metro Transit, which is 
light rail and buses, as well as we also have a, a heavy rail line servicing the, the community through transportation. And then we have Metropolitan Transportation Services, which is more of a transportation for people who have special needs um, or, or elderly folks. So the smaller buses you may see driving around your local area, um, taking folks to doctor's appointments and things like that. And then um, last but not least is regional administration. Um, we're really, we're quasi a division, but we support the rest of the other divisions, making sure that they can accomplish what they need to accomplish. So teams like finance, enterprise content management, information services, we're all within that centralized services area of, of regional administration. Got it. It sounds like this is a shared services type of model across these various counties and, and areas in Minnesota. Um, and, and certainly as IT, you're, you're serving that purpose. So once you rolled it out, because, you know, you mentioned people are used to SharePoint, so certainly they have to learn Teams and, and all the other Office 365 um, stack. How did you first encourage adoption? Uh, did you see a spike in usage once you start introducing this, or was it more gradual? Well, let's go back to my comment about Office 365 groups coming out first. We didn't advertise that heavily. Um, when we started rolling out Teams, we did a lot of communication along with our SharePoint upgrade communication. Uh, initially, there was a big spike and, and actually took over Skype for Business immediately and hasn't, hasn't, looked, hasn't looked back. Um, we are running in islands right now. Uh, I'm looking to the summer to remove Skype for Business. But yeah, there was a, there was a big jump at first. And right now, it's, you know, we've jumped even more. So I, I suspect as a result of, uh, again, this pandemic, people having to work remotely, there's now a sudden surge and spike of usage, frankly, of, of Teams and related Office 365 workload. Yeah. Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. Definitely. So we've got about, I'd say, 2,000 people working from home right now. We're an organization of 5,000, and that includes bus operators and rail operators, which generally don't work from home because they have to drive a bus, right? Um, another thing I, I want to point out is we have a lot of great communication on our SharePoint site to lead people to the resources that Microsoft puts out. I also do a lot of town halls. I, anybody who's willing to listen to me speak, I, I'm like the Lorax of teams. I'm, I, I go everywhere, right? <laughs> Love that, yeah. So walk me through when all this came down, working from home. So I'm sure just like a lot of the other um, places around the world, I'm sure we have listeners outside the U.S., suddenly you start hearing lockdowns, work from home. How did you all quickly mobilize and pivot to say, you know what, to make this work, we, we have to use Teams. Here's the rules of engagement. Or was it pretty straightforward? Read this five steps and watch these videos and, and, and you're, you're good to go, right? Well, what was the process like in pivoting? how people work? Well, I think, first of all, we have to recognize the communication that is happening around our situation. It's more important, I think, for people to understand the COVID communications versus Microsoft Teams communication. So 
Um, I, I haven't been actively pushing too much other than networking with people and putting out um, sessions for Q&A, which I'm having about 200 people attend each one of those right now. And then in the COVID communications, there's help information about working from home. And that's where I find where my slot really should be. So I haven't done too much direct communication about it. Um, just simply out of respect for the more important communication that needs to happen right now. And, and are you finding people are figuring out easily or what are some of the, you know, quick roadblocks people are encountering as they start to use Teams, especially for those not familiar? Um, the, the roadblocks really are what they've always been, which is the confusion between chat and chat channels or, or team channels. A lot of people just really struggle with understanding how all of this is, is put together and what area to go for what. It You know, Teams is supposed to be a hub for teamwork, and, and that's what we're encouraging and telling people about. Um, but there tends to be a little bit more communication that has to occur to help people understand what that means. I'm um, saying with the modern workplace experience, what does that mean, right? You can work anywhere, anytime, any place. And people are like, what do you mean? Well, just like I said, <laughs> anywhere, anytime, any place. One thing, uh, I did a webinar yesterday around this topic as well. So I was talking about top tips and and, and I, I find that if I use analogies in their consumer life, they, they get it. So, for example, like chat, right? I go, look, in our personal lives, we all use chat groups. Like you have WhatsApp, Facebook group, you create a chat group. And in a chat group, it's informal. You can, you know, it's persistent. You keep it there. You just check on people. You talk, you share. You're not working on a project or working towards something, right? Um, whereas a, a, a team conversation in a conversation thread it's more a little more structured. I mean, think of it like a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post where you reply to that same thread of thought or thread of conversation. And, uh, and, and, and I find every time I compare it with people that people, what people use in their personal life, then, Oh, okay, I get it. But it, it's always one of those things, especially in the um, conversation in a team where you know how, especially first timers, they're supposed to reply, but they don't reply. They create a new yeah. thread. Yeah, definitely running into some of that. I wish there was a merge function. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I, I, I got to give it up to Microsoft, though. They've been innovating so fast and all the functionalities. I can't complain. Like little things like I work with a global organization and just having that translate button. So I can tell colleagues that you can type in German. Now I'll, I'll be able to translate it or I don't know Japanese. I'll type in English. They'll see in Japanese. So Little things like that or recording meetings, creating transcripts off of meeting. I think those are really, really powerful. Definitely. I, I think it's also important to recognize the organizational culture. So I, I understand doing examples and things like that to help people kind of segment the tool where they can use it. But we also have to recognize that we have a lot of different generations in the workplace and some of them don't even know what that means. Ah, that's true. So it's, it's trying to provide access to multi-generational use and, and providing lots of different types of examples. You know, that's really, really valuable, Jeff. I'm glad you brought that up. It's this idea of inclusivity, right? Because we always assume, I'm guilty of this, that we're, we're just so used to tech. We're so used to the cutting edge. We're so used to the latest and greatest. And it's hard for us sometimes to realize, wait, 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 we're way ahead of everybody else, right? And sometimes I feel guilty that I give email a hard time, but you know what? The majority is still using email, so we have to be patient and gracious, and and you know extend kindness and train people and teach people and and give them time. Right? It doesn't happen overnight. 
So Jeff, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for um, using our technology cloud governance to enable guided teams creation for your colleagues. Why did you think this was important to do, enable to provide remote collaboration? Uh, we like the self-service automation aspect of it. Part of our SharePoint administration and now teams is we don't allow end users to create these resources on their own. Um, the AvPoint tool allows us to do that. In addition, the that council has well, five different divisions, as I mentioned before, which have very different cultures. And some of those divisions want to be able to approve teams and, uh, and others are okay with just allowing it to go through. So this enables us to, to do that as quickly as possible um, in one central location, capture the information we want to capture there. And then we have intentions to add intranet sites to the provisioning into the system as well. Um, this is an area we want more governance and structure around. We don't want just anybody to create an internet site. We want to understand why, what's the content, what's the purpose. We don't want a lot of collaborators on our internet sites. We want it to be more static information and information that those departments are putting out to the organization, not something that people are, are collaborating on. Coming from our prior 2010, I think it's important to understand the history, which is 2010, our collaboration was mixed in as subsites to our internet sites. So it was one of the biggest complaints actually we had with 2010 um, from the organization is that it was too confusing to understand where I was and what I can do. Um, so as part of our upgrade, we split out those environments. Well, it's technically all in the same environment, but we branded it in a way and segmented it in a, in a way that allows people to, to do those things. Um, so right now our, our priority is just allowing the organization to create teams and then um, implementing the lifecycle management is next and site deletion processes. So. So Jeff, now that you've rolled this out and gotten past this initial hur hurdle, you know, now you know who are using these teams, what the purpose is, context around each of these workspaces. How are you thinking about approaching data retention or records management? I'm sure this is very critical and important for an organization like yours. That's, it's definitely important. Um, so the way that we organize it is we have a records retention manager who works with individual business units to come up with retention schedules. So we're not really automating this right now. It's still a very much the employee or the staff member needs to determine if it's a record and then put it in our long-term retention system. Uh, we do have things we would like to do. Um, we are thinking about going to E5 to enable the Azure information protection to automate a lot of this. And then um, in Teams, we set shit, um, the channel chats to be indefinite because business decisions get made there and we can't have them drop off or we can't recover those and and, uh, and and reference them in the future. So, yeah, we are bound by a lot of different regulations. The, um, the FTA has regulations for our rail and our buses and Metro Transit. We have regulations for from the EPA, from our environmental services side. So there's a, there's a lot of different government agencies that have requirements of us as well as state statutes. Got it. Got it. So certainly it sounds like this is a, a constant um, a work that once you start with the deployment, now you're looking into these type of um, making sure you support the data retention records management. What other um, use cases are you all looking at and thinking about? And just to make sure you maintain this very productive modern workplace for your remote workforce. Um. We're looking at, well, there's a few things we haven't rolled out with Teams yet, um, like live meetings. We haven't rolled those out. I would like to get there, and I think there's a definite need right now. Um, and then 
Project Cortex is something interesting that I, I have a lot of interest in, but I, you know, first things first, I have a, a whole lot of other things to keep up to date with right now. Um, but that looks like it has a, a lot of potential to help automate metadata into document libraries, um, something I care a lot about. And then adding in MyHub to Teams to enable the end user to submit requests for new teams and, and sites there. Uh, that looks very interesting. I do need to do a little bit more learning about that. And then um, a project online upgrade. The commercial side's gotten upgraded and it looks like there's a lot of really cool tools there. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get those soon in the GCC. Um, I like the connection into teams and, and just makes that collaboration component of project that, you know, is never really that good at uh, much better. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was once upon a time a PMP, just like you, I, I, <laughs> I lit my PMP certification laps, but Oh no. Yeah. And, and I went back and I'm like, no, you got to take the test again. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but boy, I remember, you know, I love Microsoft project. I use project online, but it's too heavy, right. For little things. So planner is godsend, but now with the new project, I, I still use it because internally we use that. The integration with Planner and the new project and Teams is just amazing, amazing. It just it just makes it easier, especially the whole roll up at a program level, and and you could do a lot of the uh, analysis and reporting. I think will be very, very powerful. And I'm curious. So, being a very distributed workforce, have you all looked into leveraging Teams for your first line colleagues? Like, for example, folks that are uh, in the bus or, you know, doing public works or in the parks and whatnot. That That is something I would love to do. So, but there's always a caveat here. Um, when we upgraded SharePoint online, which we actually use the AppPoint services to do. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We've purchased, I want to say 2000 frontline worker licenses. Um, because we went from, you know, the, the on-prem where you can kind of get away with using a service account and kiosks and things like that um, to everyone needs an account if they're going to log in. So we purchased these. Um, the challenges with bus operators and rail operators and maintenance deep folks, they don't really have a need to be on the system to perform the job duty they're on. So you run, in, you run into some labor relations issues there, which are extremely challenging to, to navigate. Um, so we're working on it. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to bring that workforce in and stop printing things for them. But it all depends on a lot of different elements. Got it. Got it. I'm sure it's our listeners are, are are in the exact same boat. In fact, some of them are listening to this podcast as they're migrating to Office 365 right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I, I was, you know, I got into this with SharePoint, right? And that was my thing. I knew SharePoint. I loved SharePoint. I taught everybody how to use SharePoint. I built workflows, info platforms, you know, the whole nine yards. And now it's so much more. It's, it's now you're not SharePoint anymore. SharePoint seems to be kind of one of the, the, the further down things I think about these days now. So it's a challenge. And, you know, coming from a SharePoint mindset too, and to allow end users to, to create these resources on their own and enabling a modern workforce I, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it took a mental change for me to be able to manage that and handle that um, and accept that. So I, I'm sure, Jeff, you're preaching to the choir. I'm like, I couldn't wrap my heads around what? We're going to let people create their own site collection? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're going to be their own site collection admin? Like never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> right, right. Jeff, 
thank you so much for your time. I'm sure our listeners uh, have really benefited from your story and experience. But before I let you go, do you remember at what point in your career or during this whole journey um, that you work with, uh, especially with METC, when the shift happened to really embrace the modern workplace? I think we're still working on it. I I, I think the shift happens in conjunction with my team and and information services and my app developers and infrastructure staff that support it and trying to be okay and, and understand with that end users want to do this and we can train them to do it. It's not going to happen instantly, but I think once your nerves calm and you understand the capability of you being able to govern these tools um, on the back end, I think that'll relieve a lot of the anxiety around it. And that's what really enabled more self-creation and, and more self-help for our end users and, and allowing them to be trusted partners. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jeff. I'm sure uh, a lot of folks listening are, are grateful for the work you do and how you serve your local community. And to our listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation, we would love if you subscribe. Until the next time. Bye. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AppPoint, Inc. Produced and edited by the AppPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.